0: Welcome to From Fear to Fire Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host. And today's quote is by Oprah It is confidence in our bodies, minds, and spirits that allow us to keep looking for new adventures, new directions to grow in and new lessons to learn, which is what life is all about. Now, today we have a fantastic guest that speaks directly to that quote and everything related to it. Our guest today is Nancy Medoff, the confidence evangelist. She has literally written the book on women and confidence from Boston to Bahrain, Sydney, to Singapore, and everywhere in between, she's made it her life mission to empower women to step into their strengths, own their own power, know their worth, and earn their seat at the table, then build a bigger table. So today we have the incredible Nancy Medoff. How are you, Nancy?
1: I am doing so great. And that was quite an introduction. I don't know if I've ever been called fantastic before, but I like
0: it. I'm sure you have. (laughs) Come on. Now, you have a fantastic new book that I just want to let people know about, Unmute Yourself, Speak Up to Stand Out. I absolutely love that title. It's very catchy. How'd you come up with it?
1: So it's actually interesting that you mentioned that, Heather, because I agonized over what, what to name the book. And I, I remembered a story about myself about story from a long time ago. I was sitting in a corporate boardroom and there were probably about 18 people around the table. beautiful hotel overlooking Boston Harbor. And there were probably, I don't know, 11 men and maybe three or four women in the room, five or six women. And I kept going to answer the question. and my one colleague, let's call him Ethan, my one colleague, Ethan, kept speaking over me and kept answering when I was being asked the question. Mm. And this happened once and then it happened a second time. And then the third or fourth time it happened, I'm a little bit of a smart ass. I grew up the youngest of four kids. (laughs) you know. Sometimes I speak before I think. And I looked around the room and this was a live meeting. And I said, oh my gosh, I am so sorry, am I on mute? (laughs) And the entire room stopped. Everybody looked at me. Everybody looked at Ethan and the SVP who happened to be male said, you know what guys, she's right. She's right. We need to let her talk. And when I tell that story, I think about all the women who aren't extroverts and all the women who do think before they speak and all the women who wouldn't have said that and I, I believe that the time is now for women to unmute themselves. So I just thought it was a catchy title and that story speaks to the core of, of who I am. So um, so that's why I named it
0: Unmute Yourself. I love that. Now, now I had Nancy on one of the panels that I was moderating and she was phenomenal. And part of it was the, the fact that you just, very direct, you answered the questions, there was no hemming and hawing, there was no, you know, trying to be PC. People want to have their questions answered. And I absolutely had so much respect for that. And so did they, they said, you know, one of the best panels we've had, and I think it really has to do with people. It's very refreshing to be told the truth, to be able to have your voice heard, and to encourage others to do that. And, you know, the the unmute part is very funny because, you know, every meeting that you're on, you have to say it at least once because somebody forgets to unmute themselves. So it's got a multitude of reasons why it's very prevalent right now. So now the timeliness, you mentioned you wanted to write this book and you emphasize right now or at this time, I think you said. So tell me about the timeliness and what that means for you and for the people who will be reading it. I had been...
1: Talking about and people had been suggesting that I write a book for a while, a couple of years. I do executive coaching, I do public speaking, and I always gravitate and it's been my life life's work really to help women. So you know this has been going on for a few years, and some of my blog posts got some great press. Um, they were picked up by some publications, and many people had kept saying you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. So fast forward, we're about two thirds of the way through the pandemic, and I sensed a shift and I sensed, I truly, you know, it could have been with Vice President Harris being voted in. I'm not really sure exactly when it was, but I, I felt as if the time is now for women to walk through the doors that are being opened for them. Mm-hmm. And I've had many male colleagues, bosses, friends come to me. and and say, Nancy, why can't I get these women to post for these jobs? Why can't I get these women to raise their hands? And I heard so many of these stories over the past year or so, I feel like the wave is here Mm -hmm. and women need to ride this wave and walk through these doors with confidence. And I I, I truly believe it's almost time to stop blaming the patriarchy and and look at ourselves Mm -hmm. and say, what am I doing to contribute to this problem? And where am I in this? You know why? Why? Why are the CEO, the female CEO numbers so skewed heavily towards men? There are a number of reasons, and one of those reasons is that the females never even considered being a becoming a CEO.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I just felt that that the time was now.
0: I think you are spot on. I think people are going to be loving this. They're they're ripe for it. We'll say, and I, you know, because of what I speak on and my topics. I talk a lot about what we own, right? And, and it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. What you have to take responsibility for is what you think and how you feel and how you respond. And that's what you're talking about, that we can't blame anymore. Yes, we know what happened, but it needs to be moving forward. And the ownership is incredibly empowering. I love that because we can do something about that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the chapters in the book talks about uh, gender bias and communication. Mm -hmm. You know, you can call it whatever you want. But, you know, a great example is that example of Ethan, who kept speaking over me. You know, we have the heap heating, which is which is when a female surfaces an idea, you know, it may or may not be acknowledged. And then her male colleague surfaces it later. And everybody thinks it's a wonderful idea. Um, you know, excuse me, I'm speaking. We, we all know what happened there with the vice presidential debates. So, you know, what I try to say in the book nicely and supportively is if this keeps happening to you, if you keep being spoken over and if you keep not using your voice, you know, I provide some skills to overcome these, these gender bias situations. And you also need to look within you know, how are you framing your question? How are you framing your statement? What does your body language look like? Where are you physically sitting at the table? Are you starting your sentence with, um, well, we may have already heard of, you may have already thought of this, but I'd like to make a suggestion. Or are you saying, you know what, I have an idea. It So so we really, as women, and I catch myself doing it, need to really think about and check ourselves and get into the practice of communicating with power.
0: I love that. And these are things that you can do. There's strategies that you give in the book and that people can actually use right away. I have a question for you though. Where are the men on this? Like, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Love this question. Um, I was giving a keynote on international women's day. I will never forget this. And this, and actually, some of the book changed a little bit as a result of this. So there was about 300 people on the call. <clears throat> um, I would say not even 10% were male. And we were talking about women and women going for positions that they're not 100% qualified versus men going for positions that they are 10% qualified mm-hmm. and, and all the metrics on that. And this this gentleman put a note in the chat and he said, you know, I'm going for a job and one of my female colleagues is going for the same job. What should I do? Mm -hmm. And that really, that broke my heart. Because I was thinking to myself, well, you should get that job. You should go after the job. Nobody's saying that, that men should stop going for the jobs or take a step back to allow women to go for the positions. At least that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So the men want to help. And most of the men that I've spoken to want to help. They want to be allies. They want to be supportive. I've had more than one male colleague of mine say, I'm going to buy this book for all the women on my team. Um, I've had, you know, other men say, I want to hire you to come speak to the, to the women on my team. So they want to help. They just don't always know what to do. And they can't help if the women aren't raising their
0: hands. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess of all the information that you provide in the book, is there one thing that you think is most important for people to know? Can we share that nugget here?
1: Um, I think for, for being able, so the book is broken into three sections. Speak up, stand out, and step up. And I think all three are equally important. There's one persuasive communication tool that I teach and that I use and that people struggle with and then love it when they nail it. And that's what I call the so what. There's a chapter on this in the book, and really what it, what it means is anytime you are presenting to a client for a salary negotiation, for a promotion, if you want a higher profile project, whatever the case may be, not only do you need to think about your audience or your target or who you're speaking to and make your point relevant to them, I would also suggest that you continue to ask yourself, so what, after every statement? I'm results-oriented. So what? What does that mean? You know, I manage this complex project. So what, what does that mean to the hiring manager? Um, We have the best product for X, Y, Z. So what, what is the result? What is the business result of what you have to offer? And you have to make that connection particularly. And I know you and I are both in the hospitality or were in the hospitality, I was in the hospitality industry. As you're transferring your skills or trying to transfer your skills to a different industry if that's something that you're choosing to do You have to make the connection for the person that's the hiring manager. Mm -hmm. You can say, I have great people skills. You can say, I worked front of the house. You have to be able to tie that back to the so what. What does that mean to the organization or the individual? And you have to say it out loud. And when you do that, that's when the light bulb goes off. And that's when you
0: are remembered. Mm, I love that. That is a fantastic tip. Thank you. A great one. So now this explains it, but I am really curious about um, your title of the confidence evangelist. Is there a specific thing that caused you to become this confidence evangelist?
1: I think um, someone called me that recently, and I had struggled for a long time. You know, people really, myself included, sometimes struggle with their positioning how do I, you know, I'm an author, I'm a keynote, I'm a coach. What's catchy? catchy, What's not? What's cheeky? What's not? And the more I worked with my editor on this book, the more, you know, this book was originally written as a persuasive communication guide for women. Mm -hmm. And the more we looked at the stories and the anecdotes and the data and the other stories, my stories, other women's stories, stories from men in my life who who were frustrated with women lacking the confidence to speak up. The more I realize that truly what I've been talking about all along is women having the confidence to speak up. Because if you do not have the confidence, you won't. And the only one that's responsible for building your confidence is you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind. Of, that's how that came to be.
0: I love it. It's very powerful. So I'm going to take a moment to kind of wrap my, my head around this podcast in particular being called From Fear to Fire. Now, you're a very confident woman. Has there been a point in your life where you were less confident, where you were afraid or where you experienced a challenge that helped you grow, that you learned from?
1: I would say the answer to that question is yes. Um, I'm not always confident. However, I know that I I know and I trust in my ability that even though I'm not always going to know the answer, I will always be able to share something of value. Um, but I want to go back to when I was a very little girl and um, how this all started. And I'm going to tell you right now. I might get emotional when I tell this story because it's very personal. So I was probably seven years old. I was at Camp Chickamee in Wayland, which is just outside of Massachusetts. And I was, a, I was an extrovert as a kid. I was a very loud, one could say in your face kid. I grew up the youngest of four I mentioned before. If you didn't speak up in my family, you didn't get heard. So um, at Camp Chickamee every summer, uh, I used to go with my, me and my sisters and brothers. They would give out what, what was called the screwy screamer award. And this was a highly coveted award that was given to the craziest, wildest kid at camp. And it was really like the most outgoing, crazy kid. And I remember one year I won the award and they presented me the award in front of, you know, the whole camp, probably four or 500 kids. And everybody was laughing and clapping and pointing at me. And I was seven years old. I burst out crying. I was shaking. I was very, I remember it to this day. Mm -hmm. I was very upset. and when i turned around my sister was next to me on her knees literally on her knees my older sister giving me a hug and saying no nan my sister my family calls me nan no nan this is a good thing honey this is good people people want to hear what you have to say people like this you they're celebrating you you shouldn't be embarrassed this is this is great you, you know people like to hear what you have to say and I I didn't even remember that story until I was doing a really deep dive on, you know, kind of my life's mission and, and what I'm doing now and the confidence, you know, evangelist and the coaching and all of that. And I, and I remembered that story. And then I remembered my sister repeatedly teaching me to stick up for myself when I was younger. And what's ironic is my sister is an introvert. She rarely speaks up for herself. She has spent her entire life in the background and I went full throttle the other way. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a public speaker, I'm, a, I'm an author, I train women how to be more confident, and the person who taught me rarely speaks up for herself. So I made it my life's mission to empower women mm-hmm. because she never really did that for herself.
0: Mm. How do you think that, has she seen the book yet or not yet?
1: Uh, she's seen, she has seen um, the cover. Mm-hmm. She has heard the story that I just shared with you before, mm-hmm. and in fact, I, it was a blog post probably about a year ago, and she called me, and she said, I had no idea, and I said, I know you didn't, mm-hmm. so, so it's really, it, it, it's just kind of neat, how it, yeah. I never would have known that, I never would have known that until I did some really deep, deep, deep work as to, you know, why is this my mission, because it's a pretty specific mission.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. And you know, I, I love that you've done this work. And and I, you know, the, I don't know if you saw my, my recent uh, TED talk, it's about those underlying uh, the beliefs, the the experiences that we have that, that cause us to behave in a certain way. And some, sometimes, well, you're not even conscious of it, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. so you've taken the time, you've done that deeper dive. And I do encourage people to do that. It's, it's not... Easy, but it's always really worthwhile because it, you're it's a part of becoming more fully who you're meant to be, right? Do you feel that?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, I want to talk to you about authenticity and confidence as well. So, confidence is a skill, and a lot of people don't know that it is 100 percent a skill. Some people are born with it, some people achieve it, and um, some people. You know work on it and work on it and work on it so if 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 someone's listening to this and they don't think they're a confident person that can change 100 percent, that can change i give tools in the book but that can also change just by you taking some calculated risks and doing some things that are out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. um the authenticity piece is where um i would say if there are 10 people in the room maybe three of themselves are three people in the room are, are fully comfortable being authentic and being their true selves and when i was able to step into that and step into my own authenticity and stop trying to be something i wasn't and instead embrace who i am flaws and all mm-hmm. it, it was a game changer and inc- incredibly freeing and i've never been happier
0: oh my gosh i love that you've really hit on something here nancy because. Confidence doesn't mean perfection, that you're confident that you're always right. It means that you're okay in sitting in that authenticity. Right. Exactly. I love, 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 love that. So are there any ways that you specifically unmute yourself? That's a great question.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are the tactics that I talk about in the book I, I've done myself. You know, the first is, um, and I actually do this in my personal life quite a bit as well, because what I found, Heather, is let's talk about when people interrupt you. Mm-hmm. It could be a male or it could be a female. I don't want to make it a male-female thing. Um, but when people interrupt you, I find it highly, highly, highly annoying. And that's probably because I was interrupted my whole childhood. Uh, but that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, so what I find is that the people that are interrupting, they don't mean they, there's no malice. There's usually no malice. They usually either have something important they want to say and they don't want to forget, or they're excited about what you're saying and they can't wait for you to finish or for whatever reason they they feel like they need to make the point, their point. And if you notice over the past, Few seconds when I've talked about the reason, it has nothing to do with you. It's about them. Mm-hmm. So they want to be heard. Maybe they need to sound smart. Maybe they have a great idea. Maybe they're excited. So if you can take a step back and just either let them interrupt or not get emotional about it, not show that you're irritated, and and diffuse it with you know I, I understand that this is important to you, and I, I I'd like. To finish my thought and then I'll get to you or what I've said is excuse me I'm not finished or excuse mm-hmm. me I'm speaking mm-hmm. or please let me finish um, I actually say that a lot in my personal life I, I get interrupted quite frequently by somebody who's very close to me and I know he doesn't mean it I know he's just excited and all I do is say please let me finish and he says you're right I'm sorry he can't help it yeah so when you get vigilant or strident or torqued up about it you take the attention away from what you're saying and you put the attention on you, and that you don't want to do that. Exactly. So, I, you know, that, that's one of the ways that I unmute yourself, myself is to just take a step back and realize the impact versus the intent. Mm-hmm. This is about them, not me. It's not going to kill me to let them speak, or it's not going to kill me to say, excuse me, I, please just let me finish, or please let me finish.
0: And I think that a key point that you made within this is releasing your atta- emotional attachment, right? Because if you're, if you're asking the questions or recognizing, like you said, that this is about them and something that they need, it helps to release the emotional attachment. And, and that's the key because your tone will be very different, right? Your tone will be um, softer, it'll be kinder, it will be more open as opposed to if you allow that frustration in, right?
1: Absolutely and I'll give you a great example, <clears throat> the vice presidential debates. Mm-hmm. And when Vice President Harris was interrupted and I encourage people if you're interested in this watch this on YouTube. It was fascinating. You know, I was sitting on my couch cheering her on when she did that and then later when I when I went back to look at it again for the book, I realized the first time she was interrupted, She said, excuse me, I'm speaking, with a big, beautiful smile. And it disarmed the situation. It made her appear appear approachable and not strident. And it kind of softened the message, excuse me, I'm speaking with a smile. Great. Then he did it again. And she, again, with a big smile, might have put her hand up a little bit. Excuse me, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking, with a big smile. And the third time he did it, because he did it three times, the third time he did it, she put her hand up, she wasn't smiling and she said, excuse me, I'm speaking. And that's when he stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to watch because the first couple of times she did it, you, you kind of, you felt bad for her. You know, I felt bad for her. I'm like, okay, he's trying to talk over her. He's trying to talk over her. And then the third time she was strident, but it was okay. Cause she had already, already tried a couple of times to disarm the situation. She couldn't. So she came in guns blazing and it worked. Wow. and you know what i didn't hear a lot about it i didn't hear a lot about it from pundits or from critics you know there were a couple of memes floating around about it but i believe because she tried it softly she tried it softly again and then she came in a little more firm nobody faltered her for it and it was very interesting to watch
0: wow I'll have to go back and watch it again to see the progression of it. But yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. You do it nicely. And then if you're not heard, you have to add a little bit more emphasis.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Now you've mentioned busting the work-life balance myth. Would you share a little bit with our listeners today on that?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, I wrote an article probably a year and a half ago, right after um, Jane Fraser was appointed to the CEO as CEO of um, Citibank, Citigroup. Um, there was an article that was written, and then the name of the article was changed. And the first name of the first name of the article was "Women Cannot Have It All." Then this publication pulled the article and changed the name to work-life balance. So the the article really got me thinking about this this unicorn myth of work-life balance and that women can have it all. And in this article, Jane Frazier was noted as saying she would answer emails at three in the morning. It was the hardest thing she ever had to do Her husband was home full-time with their children. So the work-life balance myth is that women can have it all without making sacrifices or without making strategic decisions. Mm -hmm. So I encourage women to stop feeling guilty, recognize the fact that if you're getting on a plane and you can't be at your child's, whatever it may be, ball game or recital or whatever it is, that is a strategic decision and honor and be confident in these decisions. You made that decision with your family. You potentially made it with your husband you, or you made it with your children. This is your decision and it's a strategic decision so that the family can, can get to where they want to get to. You never hear men being asked, who's home with the kids? Mm. Never, never. Yet you hear women ask this question all the time. And you never hear men being asked about work life balance. I mean, is, is, is Jamie Dimon talking about his work life balance? No, he's the CEO of a major bank. Mm-hmm. So, why is Jane Fraser having to talk about it? So, you know, the, the, the theory is you don't have as many hours in the day as Beyonce. You don't. She has a staff, she has a crew, she has a hairdresser that makes over a million dollars a year. You don't have that. So, stop trying to think you can get it all done like Beyonce and instead honor your decisions, be comfortable with your decisions, and stop trying to defend your decisions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. A lot of excellent points here, Nancy. I love this. Is there like a, a million dollar problem that you reference in the book and can you share it?
1: There is a million dollar problem. So, the million dollar problem is what I, is how I, um, Refer to the gender wage gap. Um, you know, we've heard. I think the latest figure is that women are earning seventy cents, seventy six cents on the dollar for men, and that number has gotten better. Uh, and seventy six cents on the dollar to some may not sound that bad, but when you calculate that out over a forty year career, a Latina female will leave nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars on the table due to that wage gap. Mm. that's a million dollars. So I think that the 76 cents, I think we need to change the rhetoric around that because it's not 76 cents. It's a million dollars over a career. Mm. The number, um, the, the gap is a little bit less for a black female or a woman of color. And the, and the gap is a little bit less for a white female or a Caucasian female. I think that was like 600,000. So we're talking half a million dollars, half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. How is that okay? And again, I say, yes, there is some systemic gender bias, perhaps. I also can can tell you factually that women negotiate less than men. They accept less than men. Coming out of college, they're earning 20% less than men. And it's because they're not asking for it.
0: And so that's where the book comes in with some strategies on how to get them to ask. This is awesome. I'm so excited for you, Nancy. And you and I have spoken about how, you know, with my books, I feel like it's like you're giving birth, right? So it's just, you're going to, it's just going to be so, so amazing. Nancy's book is very new. Um, How about we give her the opportunity to share how you can reach her and how you can find the book.
1: Great. Thank you. Uh, Well, the book is on Amazon. You can just go, uh, Put in the search "unmute yourself," or you can search by my name. There are some tools that go along with the book that are available on my website, slash unmute uh, You can also get those um, if you just Google the name of my company, Athena Wise. So either way, the book is on Amazon. There's a um, there's a power positioning template that goes along with it that I provide for you. There's a fun confidence manifesto at the end that you can. Follow along and complete as you complete the book, and a couple of other goodies there as well. So, NancyMadoff.com
0: sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Nancy. I mean, this has been a blast. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom for everybody?
1: Um, I. Uh, that's a great question. I would just say confidence impacts outcomes, and your confidence is a skill you can work on it. You can find a way to work on it. It doesn't necessarily have to be my way. But I encourage you, if, if, if you think that you're leaving something or if you think that you're not really stepping into your true power, work on your confidence and it will come.
0: Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Have a beautiful day. And everybody, if you like this, share it with a friend, share the confidence, share the, the wisdom. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week.